Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Gravity Falls. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Streaming in Place. This is Kate Kaldzik, and I'm joined by my fabulous co-hosts, Noel Kirkpatrick and Allison Shoemaker. And we are here talking about Gravity Falls, Season 1, Episodes 3, Headhunters, and 4, The Hand That Rocks the Mabel. Um, I'm very excited to talk about these episodes with you guys uh, for several reasons. Uh, I did not realize that Lil Gideon was this early. Spoiler alert, he comes back. Um, and uh, also, Headhunters is delightful. So I, I'm very curious. Uh, I get, Alice, I'm going to start with you because, of course, you are, you are the newbie of the group. I'm mm-hmm. curious what you thought of, of these episodes overall. And then we'll start with, with Headhunters and then get to The Hand That Rocks the Mabel. Did it live up to the title is my main query for you on that one. But what did you think of these two episodes? Um, I really like them both. I feel like this is one of those shows where I've got to kind of just enjoy it and like dig the vibe and wait for the wholeness of Gravity Falls to sort of crash over me. Um, Because at this point, I still like I still feel like I'm just getting acquainted with the show. Um, I'm really on board, but uh, but I haven't really been pulled in yet, I guess. Um, and it feels like maybe that's intentional. Like, it's just sort of bopping along and I'm bopping with it. And then every once in a while I'll be like, what? Huh? <laughs> uh, and that's pretty great. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, I'm not sure anything could live up to the only show where the episodes routinely live up to the excellent title names uh, is obviously DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Um, however, I do think that the hand that rocks the Mabel is an appropriately good title for an appropriately good episode. Noel, how was it revisiting these episodes for you? Well, I technically only revisited one of them. I realized I had never actually seen Headhunters. <laughs> oh, wow. What a That's gift. Fun. Um, so that was a delight. I really enjoyed that. Um, that was very fun. It was very silly. Um, but yeah, I had never seen it before. So I was just like, this is very good. And I appreciate this. Um, R.I.P. Larry King. Um, but I had seen uh, Hand That Rocks the Mabel before. And because Gideon is very important. And so I was obviously because he's he's got he's got one of the journals. He's got a journal. Um, that's not going to be important at all. Don't worry no, about it. Don't worry about it. Never that. comes back. Never, Never comes back. Um, <laughs> but that was that revisiting that with a little bit more context about Gideon and rethinking about like Gideon's introduction and everything was good. And I I appreciated having the chance to go back to that. And I I am almost always here for just a blatant bad parody ripoff of like a revival tent like i love that it is one of my favorite things in the world so um even though they're just yeah fictional versions are just horrible but i'm here for it anyway so (laughs) i'm excited to dig in to both of these no well yeah headhunters is just i I like that already in episode three where it's still very you know this has a good i think X-Files kind of blend of these standalone things and then the more serialized mythology episodes, mm-hmm. um, which you don't really start to get a stronger sense of until later in the run. And again, I have to keep reminding myself that there's only 40 episodes. There's only two seasons. It just felt like way longer because the first episode <laughs> aired in June of 2012. And then the last episode aired in, um, aired on, uh, where is it? Uh, yeah, uh, February of 2016. <laughs> so, you know, I have to remind myself that it is only two seasons. But yeah, the, you, you start getting a, more of a sense of like, oh, there actually is more going on here. It's like, or like uh, when you watch Supernatural, if you watch it from the beginning, you hit like 
I don't know, like episode eight or somewhere, some like at a certain point in either season one or early season two, where you realize, oh shit, this whole thing has been serialized this whole time. That's amazing, and it just like blows your mind. Um, if you were like me watching it, at least. Um, and uh, so there's a similar kind of pacing to to Gravity Falls, certainly earlier on. And Headhunters is another just one of these delightful episodes. I like that already in season three, episode three. We've got Mabel being really good at stuff. We've got like, you know, I like that it's not just, oh, here's a cutesy art project, but no, she makes an amazing grunkle stand. It just needs glitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I liked uh, the voice casting John Oliver is terrific as Waxha Combs. Larry King is Larry King. Coolio is Coolio. Uh, Greg Alex is Shakespeare. So I like I like like who they chose to put in. There's a good like like bit of world building and through the town. Um, uh, what is the name of the journalist? Do you guys remember? Oh, um, it's like reports vary or no Toby. Uh, Toby determined. Something. Toby determined. Yeah, right. She's delightful. Um, Greg Turkington. Yeah, it's super. It's just it's just really fun, uh, and I think better than it needs to be. Which is something I always appreciate in this kind of standalone episode. Yeah, um, I was real. This sounds so, so. It's gonna sound a little bit like I don't know, condescending, and I don't mean it to. I was really impressed with John Oliver. Um, it's been a while since I've heard a John Oliver voice performance, and I want to. Now I feel like I need to add additional context. I'm always impressed by John Oliver. Mm-hmm. I think last week tonight is. I mean, shocking news. Um, TV critic thinks last week tonight is good program. Um, like <laughs> said eleven, but um, you know, I guess I, I haven't heard a voice performance from him, or even really seen a John Oliver is just acting performance from him in a while. Uh, and it was sort of nice to be reminded that he's got those chops too, because it I, it took me a second to clock him, and then once I did, I was like, oh god, he's doing some cool things. He's got a little roller coaster in his voice today. That's nice. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that very much. Uh, I'm always up for Sherlock Holmes being a butthole. Um, like, please, let's keep that. There were some really great gags in this that I really appreciate. I think the one that I appreciated most was um, the two cops doing spit takes in each other's faces. So the like, <laughs> vomit brings on vomit, only it was spit take brings on spit take. I thought that was really cool. Um, and I'm always delighted when famous people have a decent sense of humor about themselves. So, yeah. R.I.P. Larry King. And Coolio. No, mm-hmm. not R.I.P. Coolio. Wait, <laughs> I was like, wait, what do you know? <laughs> he is, he's still in this gangster's paradise and not the next, as far as I know. Um, yeah, anyway. Way to, way to have a sense of humor about yourself, guys. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Like, Daft Punk broke up today, so nothing, nothing, nothing is certain anymore. Yeah. Does that mean that Daft Punk all along were secretly Kim and Kanye? No, they were Hall and Oates. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that tracks. I also liked in this one the sense of danger. I like that, like, you know, you're not you're not that worried for Mabel and Tipper. But like it, it's actually pretty like intense, actually. Like they are a hundred percent gonna kill those children. Like they're like in a way that you're not actually worried about them with the gnomes. It's more like pesky, you know? Um, but I like that, that this is a show that's going to really have some, like embrace a sense of danger for its protagonists. Yeah. And I think it's, I don't know. I think that, that some of that is the known comparison is actually a good one because right. The gnomes 
aren't all that scary, except for when they're assembled en masse to be one giant terrifying gnome, mm-hmm. uh, because anything can be terrifying if there's enough of it. Right. Um, so it's a rat king situation. Totally. Mm-hmm. And in this and in this case, um, it, it, there's obviously a weakness and they exploit that weakness, but they are still undersized and outnumbered. Like, I feel like the dynamics of the of the different combat sequences were really good and smart, um, even if it did feel a little bit like Hocus Pocus did this. <laughs> like, this is daylight savings time. Um, <laughs> it's that moment from Hocus Pocus, but with uh, better protagonists. <laughs> Yeah, I think that point of danger is really kind of key uh, in in both of these episodes, really, because I do really feel like these wax figures have just gone off the deep end. So we get like a nice house of wax kind of deal here um, without really calling out because there's like it would be really on the nose for there to be a, like a Vincent Price one. And instead, we just skip over that and do something significantly different. Um, and you have a much easier time getting a Vincent Price impersonator. Um, but instead, you opt for jerk Sherlock Holmes, who's like, I, I have the best magnifying glass. That makes me the best. Look how big it is. And just all this sort of stuff. But also, like you said, Kate, that these are these wax figures are legitimately out to get them, if only to avenge Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> well, like I was kept waiting for who killed Abraham Lincoln, and they don't come back to that, you know? Just, it was wax figures, John Wilkes Booth. Clearly. He pulls Clearly. up the blinds and... <laughs> yeah. Right through that triangular window. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, there, there was a lot of, of fun in this, I thought. Uh, it was really charming, um... Marcus asked if Sherlock's sword was made of wax, and the, you know, you were, like you said, it, he pulled it off the wall of the den. Uh, the like, just the fact that all of this just comes from Grunkle Sam being a cheap bastard is also who doesn't ask questions. It's also very uh, just delightful and fun as well. Um, and then you know, ending with like, was, like all, they're all gone, but we still we still have wax Grunkle Stan at least. Uh, you know, somewhat uh, is, I think, a, a charming, fun way to end. Do we have any final thoughts on Headhunters before we get to the hand that rocks the Mabel? Um, I loved the sequence in the biker bar. Um, just I thought that was so f- a lot of the little details, like the neck tattoo that just says neck. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like that really made me laugh. Um, Manly Dan was a very it's a very funny performance of a very specific archetype obviously but but i thought that 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 voice performance was really funny um and all just all the staging and the little details and the cootie catcher i thought that that sequence was a plus <laughs> oh marcus mentions wax larry king's head who uh suggested that maybe wear the llama shirt uh with, and then she in the next episode she does yes it's a good bit of continuity very fun noel any final thoughts on this one no, no final thoughts. Let's let's talk about the let's talk about the weirdness of a telekinetic uh, evangelist esque scam artist. Yeah, and his well, Stephen Root voice dad. Yeah, well, Stephen Root always amazing. Uh, always enjoy Stephen Root showing up. Uh, I I watched this like almost simultaneously with reading the article in L with FKA Twigs talking about her experience being in an abusive relationship with Shia LaBeouf. Um, and, and so like, that was fresh on the mind as I'm watching this episode and I appreciate again, how it does not pull its punches and you're just watching this going, Mabel, trust your instincts. Don't just appease. Don't just like, there's so many amazing lessons in this for the viewers watching it. Don't make other people comfortable because you feel like you've got to let them down easier. How do you, you know, but they're so nice and like, 
these different societal pressures uh, being being put specifically on Mabel, but just are these lessons that are taught to to mm-hmm. women, you know, uh, specifically, but to lots of people, but especially to women in, in American culture. Uh, so it made it, it added this extra level of like of realness that I thought really added to the episode. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think the other important sort of lesson from it and one of the things that I really appreciated is that it's not Mabel's fault that she ends up in this situation she obviously the whole time was like no just say no take the public shame do it please please to protect yourself but really I think it's a a good lesson to remember that you shouldn't ship real people right like there you never know what the context of a relationship between two human beings is, and I'm not talking about necessarily even celebrities, like the more that you project onto a relationship um, that you're not a part of, and the more you invest in it, like it's a story or like it's a model of some kind. um, It's just adding to pressure on the two people in that relationship, especially if there's an imbalance of power in the relationship. Anyway, it's great that we're having this conversation about this goofy episode. Um, but I'm glad that the show was thoughtful about it. I think that the show throughout its run, and I'm actually really curious to see how some of this holds up, knowing some of the other character-based romantic interactions that begin to develop, um, how well that gets handled as the show continues. Because we do get this other thing of Mabel, like in the first episode, being boy crazy about the gnome zombie. Um, (laughs) She's still such a good gag. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um... And that we get to see that, no, she's just, she's selective about who she's boy crazy about, which is great. Um, and I'm really interested to see how that then continues to transfer as, like I said, other relationships develop. Um, and how that gets flipped a little bit as well, if it does. Because I'm remembering it not being great, but I'm really curious to see how hindsight and watching it again going, oh, maybe it was better than I remember it being. Um, but... Yeah, no, I just, I really liked it. And I thought it was really, watching that also continue to play out with Stan and little Gideon's dad, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, um, building up a contract and all this sort of stuff to like economically merge things because it's beneficial for both of them. I think it's just really, really great. But I am very glad that while... Mabel got out of it. Stan did get to keep that clown portrait because that's what's really important here. Everyone is that Stan got the clown portrait. Uh, yeah, Bud Gleeful is the character. Yeah, for, yes, yes, for that one. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there will be there will be more with some of the dynamic that I, I'm like you. I look forward to uh, like revisiting that Noel and seeing how it holds up and how I feel about it. But um, yeah, there's some there's some fun stuff coming and there's there's some stuff i am absolutely delighted by and some stuff that i am less excited about so we will see how it holds up the uh the the stuff i i appreciate again we're getting a lot of character stuff while we're getting absolutely ridiculous hilarious uh you know revival cuteness session (laughs) with will gideon um we're also you know learning oh these are the type of characters who will just put on the magic amulet and jump down after and hope it hope it works yeah and i think that one of the things i actually do really like about both these episodes is the way in which and allison said this that they flesh out the town a lot 
um, down to they've got one guy working at the Gossip Rag who has an unhealthy relationship with a cardboard cutout. Um, they have, but then you also get the club that Gideon's at, which is just this extended Twin Peaks reference, which is really, really great because it's very much the show going, hi, adults. Because um, <laughs> also adults, why are you letting your children watch Twin Peaks? Don't do that. <laughs> um, but maybe also you should let them watch Twin Peaks just to like start building that. Um, but I like the ways in which that gets built up. And then we get that big sh- psychic um, telekinetic showdown in um, with all the Gideon merch, which I also think is a really great touch of this show's just really gravity falls is a really weird space that has abandoned warehouses and twin peaks inspired clubs that seem very, uh, whatchamacallit, very, um, very exclusive, but also are very literally named and designed as the club with playing card club. Cause what was the name of the, um, club in uh, jacks twin peaks jacks right one eyed jacks yeah i couldn't quite remember it but i knew it was like another card game uh card game uh playing card reference but i just could not place it in my brain so yeah i just but they don't call attention to the fact that this is a weird space of any kind it's just the signifiers are there for it to be known to people who know that it's a weird space and i like that kind of visual storytelling without holding your hand about it mm-hmm well, I feel like Noel and I are holding back from saying some things because we know stuff. Uh, so, Allison, do you have any other thoughts on Gideon and what we see here? Like, do you like what? What do you think about the reveal of the book? And you know, what do you think? I mean, I, I I'm enjoying the little nuggets that I'm being thrown. Um, I honestly think that maybe it would be it would have made a stronger impression on me if I had not been teed up for like look for the through lines because it Mm -hmm. feels so episodic um that i think i don't know i i I think maybe being a little bit more in the dark or less in the dark would be the ideal state um but obviously i'm getting increasingly less in the dark so uh that will probably change i probably if you would ask me if i thought little little gideon came back i probably would have said yes but my guess would have been um, in like a recurring villain, like a, like a, oh, what's the name of the car thief on Brooklyn Nine-Nine? What the hell's his name? Oh, yeah, Pontiac Bandit? Yes, like, a, in a sort of Pontiac Bandit kind of way, like a, like a fun, nefarious, returning character. Um, whereas based on the way you're talking about it, it seems like a little bit more than that. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe I should also reserve judgment. I sort of don't want to guess too much. Um, (laughs) and I'm very into the continuing building ongoing mythology. I started spotting the codes, but I have not translated them. Do I need to be translating them? No, no, no. That's okay. Unless it's your, unless it's your jam, unless you're sitting there and you're like the next episode won't air for six months. I watched lost once. I don't need to do it again. (laughs) That's what we should have done. I will rewatch this. Lost whenever. Whenever. <laughs> that oh, it's been a really long time, but that is even when it's bad, it's always interesting bad. Yeah. Yeah. Even anyway. when it's bad, it's good. Yep. Um, okay. So well, Noel, any final thoughts on the hand that rocks the maple or little Gideon or anything else? I do want to ask because she's only been circulating a little bit. I want Allison's initials, initial impressions of Wendy, who we have not gotten very much with over the past four episodes, aside from the fact that she has maybe not broken up with a number of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I uh, 
not a ton to go on yet. I don't know that I would think, wow, that's going to be an important character if she were not voiced by a famous person. Um, But I'm looking forward to seeing more. She gives a good high five. That's great. Very important skill. What I want to know, does Wax Larry King's head come back? That's what I'm I don't think so. Yeah, I can't remember. Alas. It would be fun if he did, but I I don't I don't think so. Let me see. I'm gonna click the IMDb. Uh nope, nope, no no extra entries for Wax Larry King. Um though there there is an IMDb entry for him. Uh, IMDb page, I should say. Well, uh Marcus, if you have any thoughts, go ahead and drop them into the chat. Um and then we will talk briefly here about what our, our next episodes are. So on Wednesday we will be back to talk about episodes five and six of Gravity Falls, and the episode titles are <laughs> "The Inconveniencing" and "Dipper versus Manliness." <laughs> so, if you have any any thoughts uh, on these episode titles, Allison, what 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 comes to mind? Um, I think the inconveniencing is about a reply all um, mishap that goes terribly wrong okay um a reply apocalypse and then reply apocalypse and then uh dipper versus manliness um let's just deconstruct some gender tropes in gravity falls let's <laughs> do it let's uh let's do all of billy elliott in 22 minutes <laughs> let's do that yeah i still haven't seen billy elliott i should probably see that at some point I think you'd like the score. <laughs> yeah, for the um sorry, for the musical, the like the yes, the musical. Um I I actually don't know that I remember very much of the score of the film, but it's probably also good. It's worth seeing teeny baby Jamie Bell. Yeah, yep. Um no, any thoughts on these? I remember both of these and I I did not realize that they were coming up this soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to both of these. Uh, particularly, I think one of the, the guest actors, I think in um, Versus Manliness is really, really good. If I mm-hmm. remember correctly. Yes, you do. Yeah. Okay. And they are. As what I'm, if you're talking about who I think you're talking about, then yes. Um, yeah. So that'll be fun. Uh, okay, well, so then we're gonna leave it there. Yeah, otherwise I'll start saying things that I, that like are spoilery, so I won't say that. Um, and instead, I will say thank you to Marcus for joining us again in the chat and sharing your thoughts on this stuff. And thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday. Bye. 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 Bye.